This passage presents to us the ultimate test of faith. It's the situation over which you have no direct control, but which alters the course of your life. Abraham came to such a case. The limitations of age, we can read in verse 1 of the chapter that he was old and well stricken in age. Sarah by this time was dead. The limitations of age prevented him from making the long journey back to Mesopotamia to secure a bride for Isaac. It was true of Abraham, as it is of most who reach old age. Their worlds shrink. More and more, they begin to value the comforts of home. Younger people sometimes wonder why their elders do not get out more and participate more fully in the various experiences of life. Well, the answer is that life's latter years tend to restrict the amount of energy for life's tasks. Abraham could not go on this trip. So, he had to send his most trusted servant on this vital mission. Abraham gave his servant explicit instructions. You can read about those in the first verses of the chapter. Instructions about what the servant was to do, and more importantly, what he was not to do. The servant was sent to find a bride for Isaac, but Abraham had to accept the reality that he would not be able to meet that bride until she agreed to marry his son Isaac and make the journey back across to Canaan. With all the care Abraham took in planning that mission, when the servant took those camels, and we read that there were ten camels that he took that belonged to Abraham, so it was quite a train. No doubt there were other servants who traveled with him. When he took those camels and their riders and headed off into the desert, the old man could only watch as they disappeared from view. It would be a lengthy period, weeks, even months, before he would see that caravan again. How would he wait? Would Abraham be filled with fretfulness and anxiety and pace about his tent endlessly, looking at the harsh horizon several times within the hour to see if the camels were returning? Well, the answer to that question is in the conduct of his servant. There is about this servant in this passage, and we don't know his name, but his conduct is striking. 
Because there is about him the sense of expectancy, which is the essence of faith. And yet at the same time, the thing that is remarkable about the servant was that he was a model of self-control. He did not try to manipulate the situation to gain what his master wanted. And that discipline was the reflection of what the servant observed in Abraham. The aged patriarch, now near the end of his days in this world, learned the lesson to wait for God to move in fulfilling his purposes. True faith waits for the Lord to manifest his power and his wisdom. And we may be certain that Abraham waited Not stoically, but in confidence. He was able to go about his daily tasks, whatever they were, without distraction. Because he trusted in his God to work all things together for good. Now, let's not make Abraham into some kind of superhero. He was looking for the return of the camels. He was praying for the success of the mission. He certainly had the same desire to see this mission accomplished. But as we observe the conduct of Abraham's servant in the verses we've read, we see a lot of Abraham in him. So the servant did not go on this long journey to Mesopotamia in uncertainty. He knew what God's purpose was. And he did not want to miss the way of God's leading. It's instructive as well that when it appeared that God was working, this servant looked for a full indication of that working. Now Abraham was back at home. And we've read the story. We know what happened. Abraham had no idea. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know about the details of this meeting with Rebekah. But Abraham, as a man of faith, was trusting the Lord to accomplish what he promised. That is, that there would come through Abraham and through his son Isaac, the line that would stretch out to the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And before very long, Abraham would see the evidence of God's faithfulness to him and to Isaac. Of course, the servant saw it first. And his response would be in line with what Abraham commanded. For the servant was also a servant of Abraham's God. He was a man of faith. He knew what it was to seek the Lord and to wait for the Lord. And in this passage, the servant saw the demonstration of God's will coming to pass before his eyes. You see, faith is not going to be disappointed. Those who wait for the Lord will never regret waiting for the Lord. So in this passage this evening, we learn the lesson 
of faith's reward in divine providence. Faith's reward in divine providence. Many people engage in the pastime of discussing the twists of what they consider to be fate in their lives. They think that various events just happen to occur. They speak of what they think are accidental meetings that they have had. They may ask you, guess who I ran into today? Yet it is evident from this passage that we have read that no meeting is the result of chance. If you're married, you can know you did not meet your spouse by blind chance. If you hope to be married, you can know that you will not meet your spouse by blind chance. You may not realize it at the time, but every person you encounter has been brought across your path by God's providence for a distinct purpose. So the result of this passage and what we learn from it is that God is always directing our steps and directing our times so that we come to the right place at the right moment. It also teaches us that those who wait on the Lord will see the accomplishment of the Lord's purpose. Faith will be rewarded. That harks back to what we considered this morning and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ to Peter and his disciples. The scriptures say that if we have hope in Christ only in this life, then we are miserable. In fact, we are of all men the most miserable. The message is, you don't believe God in vain. Those who remain in unbelief, we learn, have God's wrath abiding upon them already. But those who believe in Christ will never regret their faith. They will find the reward. Not only at the end of life, but throughout their pilgrimage in this world. When we consider faith's reward in divine providence, there are three things we need to observe in our passage, and they all have to do with Abraham. First of all, Abraham's influence. As soon as this servant of whom we have read arrived in Mesopotamia, he began to demonstrate what he learned by being in his master's presence for many years. You see, this servant no doubt undertook many tasks. He learned how to take care of Abraham's vast holdings of livestock. He learned more than how to oversee what went on in the household, he learned what it meant to trust in God. There was Abraham's influence. The question is, do you influence others in that way? Do they learn from you what it means to trust in God? 
Abraham's servant learned that his master knew God. He learned it by observing him closely over the years. Now, Abraham was not perfect. He did things wrong. But he never turned away from the Lord. He never excused the sins he committed. Abraham kept going in the way of faith. And that influence that he had produced the impact on the life of this servant that was profound. So let's learn not to underestimate the impact of a life given to the Lord, a life of faith in Christ. From Abraham, the servant learned lessons, the fruit of which we find in verse 12 of the chapter, where the servant said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. He learned lessons from his time with Abraham. What were those lessons? God is real. He learned that God is real. That unlike the other gods of all the nations around them, Abraham served the God who is real. So that this man addressed his prayer in verse 12 to the Lord God, to Jehovah Elohim, He emphasized the covenant faithfulness of God. He knew God as Abraham knew God. As the self-revealing, self-attesting ruler of the universe. And at the same time, the governor of his people whom he has chosen from before the foundation of the world. This servant was like Abraham among the elect. He was one whom God chose. God has revealed himself to his people and promised he will never forsake them. And it was this faithfulness that this servant observed. And I have no doubt that he was present at Mount Moriah when Abraham met the greatest test of his life to offer up his son Isaac. Those who trust in the Lord will never be ashamed. So the servant knew Abraham's God in that way. And he knew him also as Elohim, as the mighty God, the God of creation. And he knew then that this God is never going to be at a loss for the achievement of his purpose. God's creatures often fail. But I hear, I tell you again this evening, those failures don't frustrate God's purpose. God's purpose will be fulfilled. He is the God of heaven. His creatures are in need of him, but he's not in need of them. Let us turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 10. 
All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. God's creatures are in need of him. They're in need of those mighty acts. So the servant knew that Abraham was not playing at religion. It was not simply a set of rituals. And so the servant learned from Abraham that God, the God that Abraham served, is powerful. And he knew that this powerful God was directing the events of his people's lives. So he prayed in verse 12 that the Lord would send him good speed. Send me good speed. Obviously, he didn't mean that petition in a literal sense. Did not mean that the Lord should make him swifter of foot than he was. What he wanted was the Lord to bless him with clear direction and understanding of the Lord's work. He knew that God could orchestrate all events for the attainment of his own will. So let us learn that lesson as well. That God is able. He's not weak. He's not helpless. And that those who wait on him, as we read in Isaiah chapter 40, will find their strength renewed. So if you feel weakness tonight, if you sense that there are things you want to do and you don't think you can do them, then the challenge of God's word is, come back to wait upon the Lord. For those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And the servant learned also about God's mercy from Abraham. He said in verse 12, show kindness to my master. He knew he was praying to a God who was kind. A God who is full of mercy. A God who spares his creatures from what they deserve. And we notice in verse 27 that as this servant is giving thanks to God. He described the kindness of God as God's mercy. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. It's one of the great themes in the Bible, mercy. God shows kindness to his people. And not for anything in them. The servant prayed for that kindness. We pray for it. We appeal to it. So Abraham's influence then had a dramatic effect on the life of this servant. But let us notice a second thing in this passage. Not only Abraham's influence, but Abraham's prayer. But wait, you may say, we don't find any prayer of Abraham here in this passage. But where did the servant learn the prayer that we have considered in verse 12? He learned it from Abraham. Turn, go back in the passage to verse 7. 
We read what Abraham said unto the servant, The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Oh, here was the faith of the aged patriarch. But notice how similar the prayer is in verse 12 to those words. Send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. The servant sought the Lord's intervention in the ordinary course of events in life. He wanted something specific. I think we can learn from the servant that he prayed for something specific as an indication of the Lord's undertaking for him. So we notice the details in verse, verses 13 and 14. He said, here I am at this place. He didn't know who the person was to whom he should speak. He didn't know anything about the situation. So he said to the Lord, here I am. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. So this is a very specific request. He said, when this damsel comes out and I speak to her for something to drink, and she will say, not only will I give you something to drink, but I will draw water for your camels. Then I will know that she is the one. And it is striking when we come to verses 15 and 16 that it came to pass before he had done speaking. Now he was not speaking aloud as far as we can tell. He was praying in his heart. Before he had done speaking, Rebecca came out. People today look at that situation and they say, wasn't that a good thing? Or they might say in their debased way of describing it, wasn't that a lucky thing that Rebecca came out right at that time? It had nothing to do with it. God was orchestrating the situation. Rebecca came out. And she was in the family. She was the daughter of Bethuel. And we read of her that when she heard the request of this man, whom she did not know, she heard the request of this man. She said, I will give you to drink. And then later she said, I will also draw water for all your camels, which was exactly what he asked. Here were the workings of God's providence. Here was the reward, not only of the servant's faith, but of Abraham's faith. 
This situation did not happen by chance. The response to the prayer shows us that God was at work. And we find in verses 17 through 25, then the result of this extraordinary meeting. The servant ran to meet her and she said, and said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. We read that she emptied her pitcher into the trough and went to get more water. And we notice in verse 21 that the man wondered at her. But we notice his self-control. He said he was not going to say anything. He, he, he wondered, is this, is this what God has done here? He wondered if the Lord had answered prayer. So we read in verse 22 that as the camels finished drinking, now camels drink a lot of water when they drink. So maybe Rebecca had to go again and again to get water for the camels. But when they had finished drinking, the man presented gifts to Rebecca. Wanted to know about her family. And then he learned that she was from the same family from which Abraham and Isaac came. And she said, you can stay here. We have all that you need. Here was the answer to Abraham's prayer. And here was the answer to the servant's prayer. He learned it's not a vain thing to have faith in God. And that brings us to the third thing that we consider here in this passage. Abraham's God. Abraham's God. Such a striking thing we read in verse 26. The man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Worshipped Jehovah. Worshipped the Creator God. That's who he worshipped. And he worshipped him not as someone who was simply going through religious motions that he had observed from Abraham, but as someone who knew the God that Abraham knew. He bowed his head and worshipped. We read in verse 27 that he gave thanks for God's faithfulness. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. God was faithful. What a lesson for us in our own time, in our own lives. In all the events that appear to us to be random or chance happenings. God is faithful. Things that happen that we have no way of foreseeing. 
No way of understanding how the Lord gave direction for them. And everybody here can think of such circumstances in your own life. He gave thanks for the faithfulness of God. And in doing so, of course, he leads us to consider our Lord Jesus Christ who also is faithful as a steward and a servant over his house. We are his house. We give thanks for his faithfulness to us. But he also gave thanks for the way in which God prepared the situation. I being in the way, the Lord led me. Now, I want to just caution you not to draw the wrong conclusion here from the way he put things. He was not saying that he was doing his best and going on his way and the Lord found him somewhere along the way and directed him. No, he was going in the way that Abraham directed him to go and following the instructions that Abraham directed him to follow. He was in that way. He was serving the Lord through following the command of Abraham. And in that way, the Lord led him to the exact place where he needed to be. The Lord put him in the right way. Here's something for which to pray. Day by day we go in ways and we don't always understand what the reason is for them. Lord, lead us in the right path. Help us to go in the right way. Give us the discernment that we need to understand your will, O God, and to follow your will. He gave thanks for God's direction in his life. There he left Abraham, and he had never seen Mesopotamia, probably, at all. And he knew it was going to take a long time to get there. And he had no idea what he was going to encounter when he got there, except that he had a very solemn oath that Abraham extracted from him. And he even said, well, Suppose the woman is not willing to come. Must I come back and bring your son Isaac to where she is? And Abraham said, you are not to do that. Under any circumstances, you are not to do that. They both had confidence that as God was in this work, God would lead Rebekah. And so if we were to read farther down in the chapter, the servant in the verses following the ones we read, the servant recounted all that took place. And in verse 49 we read, If ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. So the question was put to, to Rebecca, will you go with this man? Verse 58, they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? 
And she said, I will go. Now, what did that mean for her to say that? It meant in all likelihood she would never see her father's family again. She would never see her home again. Will you go with him? God is in it. Will you go with him? She said, I will go. Now, I would not like you to conclude that it was just as easy as that, that there were no emotions involved. But here was the evidence of God's work, God's direction. She said, I will go. And the servant sought no credit for any of it. He gave all the credit to the God of his master, Abraham. He praised the God of grace for leading him in the right way. What a marvelous picture for us in all the circumstances and the challenges that we face in our lives, that we will seek the Lord to give us direction and will not run ahead. The servant could not run ahead. He couldn't try to arrange the situation so that something like what he wanted was going to happen. He had to wait. And then God showed that the prayer was answered, that there was a reward for faith in divine providence, God directing all of these circumstances together. What a wonderful demonstration of God's purpose and faithfulness in our lives we find here. Because ultimately, When Rebecca said, I will go, that was the fulfillment of God's promise made to Abraham long years before. Because from Isaac and Rebecca would come Jacob. And from Jacob would come Judah. And from Judah would come ultimately David the king. And then eventually Jesus of Nazareth. So there's a lot more involved than what we think we will find in a circumstance of this nature. May God give us the grace then to trust in our God, the God of the covenant, the God of creation, to know that he is real, to know that he will not leave us without his direction. May God bless his word and encourage you with it this evening. Let us bow together in prayer. Gracious Father and eternal God, we rejoice again this evening in thy faithful mercy. When we read this situation, it it takes our breath away we would find it a great challenge for us to take the responsibility upon ourselves to go all that way and not knowing 
who we should encounter. But we thank thee that thou dost know, and that thou dost lead this servant in the right path. O Lord, we thank thee for the way in which thy word speaks to us tonight. And as we contemplate all the challenges that we face in our lives, regardless of where we are in the journey, we know that thou wilt grant us the discernment that we need to know thy will, to follow thy will day by day. For if we follow it day by day, we will know the reality of that direction in the major challenges that we face in life. Bless thy word, we pray. Grant there to be fruit for its preaching tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.